0: Today we're starting a brand new series, Tree Line Vision. As some of you may know or may not know, we're just five months into this adventure called Treeline Church Together, and I'm so excited to start sharing over the next several weeks some of the vision that God has placed in our hearts for this church. And so a lot of times the question is asked, why do we need more churches? Maybe you've had that thought before, and I'm a church planter, and sometimes I ask myself that question. Why do we need more churches? Do we need more churches? And the answer really is yes. And why is that? Because did you know in Pittsburgh, there are in the Pittsburgh metro area, the statistical area, there are well over one million people who claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. So they're not going to church. They're not following any religion. They don't, they just don't do anything. And even of the people who do say they go to church, very few of them are actually active and are active in their faith, taking ownership and participating in any kind of worship on a regular basis. So translation, there are a lot of people who need a local church. There are a lot of people who are far from God. And so we believe that church places is one of the best ways to reach people who have yet to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Because let's be honest, if all of the churches in our communities, even if they were full to capacity, even if we packed this place out, we wouldn't even come close to scratching the surface of the need of people who are far from God in our schools, in our families, in our workplace. There's just straight up a lot of people who have not heard the good news of who Jesus is, that God loves them, that he has a plan for their life, and that he gave his son as a gift to them so that they could have relationship with him. And so that's what we're all about. That's the vision that we have. And so we're going to start really basic this week, and we're going to start with the name. Ready? People ask this question all the time, and maybe you've had this thought, um, what's with the name, Treeline? Like, what you know, is it, are you guys like in Colorado? You know, we're up in the Rockies, we just watched that video. Like, what's what's going on? What's with the Treeline name? Well, I'm so glad you asked, and this has been great, because over the last years, we've been getting ready to launch, people have asked us this question all the time, which starts with a really great conversation starter, like, what's the deal with your church's name? What is a Treeline? And so, we're going to take a look at what a Treeline actually is, and we have some pictures here to show you here, in this first picture you can see that a tree line, it occurs in nature, and it happens when the environment changes, like say on a mountaintop or a desert, or it just gets too cold, the Arctic Circle. There are tree lines where trees will physically stop growing. So there's trees, there's the forest, and then it goes out, and then eventually it's just not the right conditions to produce life anymore, and so the trees stop growing. So we have another picture here you can see on the mountainside here. You see that's the tree line. Trees just can't grow past that point. I think they just got tired, right? were hiking up the mountain. They're like, this is good enough. We're just going to stop here, right? Whew. And so the tree line forms. It stops. The trees can't grow past that point anymore. You can see one here where it gets cold. Now, I, I can totally agree with the trees on this one. It's like, I'm not growing out there. It is way too freezing. Look at that snow. And so there's actually a physical tree line where trees will stop growing. And so this is, became a word picture for us as a church. That we want to be a church that is positioned on the edge of the tree line, reaching out to those who have yet to receive new life through Christ. So we don't want to be huddled in the middle of the forest, safely singing Kumbaya together. No, no, no. We as a church, we want to be positioned on the edge of the tree line, doing whatever it takes to reach out to people who need to receive new life in Christ. And so also for us here at Tree Line, we are all about the next generation. We are all about kids ministry. We are so excited to see what God is already beginning to do in five months. So we have kids that are excited to be here. I mean, could someone just take a moment and recognize you put a lot of planning, you put a lot of strategy, a lot of things. This is what we want to do. You know, we want to focus on kids. But then when you launch this and kids are excited to be here, I mean, that's just such a huge win. And so we are all about the next generation. And so tree line really also means family trees because we really want to see, this is our mission statement, we exist to see family. Family trees transformed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. This is what we're all about at Treeline. We want to see the next generation raised up to be followers of God. I don't know if you know this, but Generation Z... Which is the upcoming generation, so after generation X, the millennials, and then you have Generation Z. This is the largest generation in our country, and it is also the first post-Christian generation in our nation. And what does that mean? It means that this generation that is up and coming has no memory of the gospel. They don't know the basic tenets of the Christian faith. You can't you can't even mention or reference basic Bible stories. They don't know about Noah's and his ark. They don't know about David and Goliath. They don't understand base, they don't even understand really what Jesus is about, or any of those sorts of things. And so this is the first post-Christian generation, Generation Z, who's getting further. So each generation has got progressively further and further and further away from God, which you can be like, oh, whoa, is us as a nation, and we're going downhill, and isn't this going to be terrible? But we've decided as a church that that's going to be our mission field, that that's what we're going to reach out to. And instead of saying, isn't that terrible, we've decided to say, man, what an opportunity we have as a church to reach and equip the next generation to become lifelong followers and change family trees. And so that's what we're all about here at TreeLine and really being positioned at the edge of the tree line we're really just trying to position ourselves and that's what today we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about getting in position. Now this is something that we do all the time. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but maybe you've been driving your car, and you've seen someone who you're like, you get up to the light, and it's two lanes, right? You've got two lanes, and there's a semi in the right lane, and you're coming up, and you could stop behind the semi, but you don't. What do you do? You hurry up and get in the left lane so that when the light turns green, why? You can hurry up and get around the slow truck, right? Everyone does this all the time. You position yourself to be in the better lane. Matter of fact, I used to have a commute years ago, and it was on a two-lane um, county highway, and it was two terrible, and it came out of the city, and it was two lanes, and then it quickly, the one lane merged into the other, and then it was just, you know, two-lane highway for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles, and so what would happen all the time is it turned into like a drag race at this light every single day for commuting, because people would just try to pass each other. they try to get in position, because you don't want to be stuck behind the slow person, because you can't pass on this highway, there's too much traffic coming the other way, and then you're stuck for 45 minutes, an hour behind someone slow, and it's like, oh, geez this just take me now. This is terrible. Does this person know how the gas pedal works in their car? I mean, come on. So we position ourselves to hurry up and get around those people. We're getting in position, right? Maybe some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Some of you are looking at your spouses right now, giving them an eyeball. You're like, yeah, I know what he's talking about right now because you do that all the time. So we get in position. I remember one time. Growing up, when I was in high school, I had an older cousin who I really looked up to, and he introduced me to this band called Rush. And maybe you've heard of Rush before, and for me, I was a drummer when I was in high school, and so Rush has Neil Peart, which is probably like God's gift to drumming, which is one of the best drummers of all time, just totally changed my life. My cousin's like, you gotta listen to this. We actually had these things called CDs back in the day, and so we load this CD, you know, and we, and we listen to it in his car, and it just drums solo, and just my mind just... Which is like, that's one man playing the drums. That good? Just sounds like eight people playing drums. It's amazing. So he introduces me to this band. I, I really become a fan. And they come to Pittsburgh and they're going to the Civic Arena. They're going to the Igloo. And so I have this opportunity to go see Rush at the Igloo. I'm so excited to see Neil Peer, to see Getty Lee, Alex Lifeson. I'm just, I can't, I'm just so excited. And so we're going to get tickets. This was back before the internet. We didn't have cell phones, we didn't have internet. Now it's like you go on Ticketmaster, or whatever, you just buy that ticket online, right? This was back in the day when you actually had to go wait in line to buy tickets. And so we're going to go the night before. So we camp out at the Washington Mall. Shorties, anyone? Shorties? Come on, those hot dogs. Come on, someone, change your life. We camped out outside the Washington Mall, me, my cousin, a couple of his friends, we had the boom box out there, blasting rush, we're air drumming, we're singing all the songs. It's such a good time. Man, we got so tired. It was freezing outside. We're just like inside the little mall entrance outside waiting for the mall to open up in the morning. But we did it, man. We stuck it out all night. I think it was like National Record Mart, where we were gonna go get the tickets, which doesn't even exist anymore in the mall, which the mall doesn't even really exist anymore. And so we're sitting there, we're waiting, we're in position, we're gonna get these tickets, and so we wait, 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 and finally the guy comes and the store at the mall in the morning, and we We're standing outside the record mart, and the guy who works there gets there in the morning. He sees us standing there. He's like, man, hope you guys weren't here long. The ticket sales are a lottery. We're like, no. So a bunch of other people show up, and we're all getting lottery numbers, and it's going to be drawn by a lottery who gets to get their tickets first. So my cousin's like, forget this. We run down to Giant Eagle. You know, we go to the Eagles real quick. Giant Eagle was right around the corner. There was nobody waiting for tickets there. So we go, and we get our tickets. We didn't get the front row, but when we got there, we were close. Man, we had some good tickets. Man, I remember this one point. I'm sitting up there, and Getty Lee's just playing his bass, and he made eye contact with me. And I saw him, and I was just like, I love you, Getty. And he looked back, he's like, I love you too, Brian. It was amazing. I mean, it just was such a great night, such a great concert, such a good experience, but we had to get in position to make sure we had those good tickets so I could make that eye contact with Getty and just feel the sweat off the band. Just, But you had to be in position because if not, you're up in the nosebleed, right? You're up in peanut heaven. You can't see anything. It's a terrible experience, but we had to get in position. And we do this all the time in life, and maybe it's not with something like concert tickets or in your car, but we do it all the time to get in position. Maybe you've gotten position before because you've wanted a promotion at work, so you put your in a position where your boss notices you, right? That you're you're doing good, you're doing a good job, or I'm going to position myself. Or maybe you have to do a little extra work and you need that next degree to go to the next level in your career. So you position yourself and get that degree and finish whatever it is you need to go to the next level. We do this all the time. Guys, you probably did this in your relationship with your marriage. Guys, you probably had to position yourself, right? Because you need your wife to notice you. I don't know. This is And this is just, you know, nature. You see these birds doing these crazy mating dances and everything. I, I was watching this documentary this week in the Galapagos Islands. There's blue foot boobies, and they actually have blue feet, and they just like strut their blue feet around, and they dance around and flap their, and they're just trying to get the bird's attention. And guys, we don't really strut our stuff, or else some of you might actually do that, but that's that might be the kind of girl you're trying to attract. And if that is, that's awesome. You should go ahead and do that. But we position ourselves, right? We position ourselves to get noticed by that girl, right? We, and some of us have that story. For me, you know, I put a bunny costume on and proposed to my wife. True story. But I had to get in position to, so that she would say yes. And as, it's a long story. I don't have time to get into it. But we have to position ourselves. It's true. Some of you are like, that's not true. It's very true. And there's video that exists. And hopefully it'll die. But anyway, Maybe someday we'll share it. We put ourselves in position. We do this all the time, and this is what we want to do as a church. We want to position ourselves at the edge of that tree line, recognizing that there are people who are far from God in our community, recognizing that there's a generation who is growing up that doesn't know God, that doesn't know that God loves them, has a plan for them, and is ready to change their life. And so that's what we want to do. That's what we want to be as a church. We want to position ourselves. We want to get in position to reach those who are far from God. I want to share a story with us today about Jesus. And I'm just excited. It's, it's always a good Sunday when you get to talk about Jesus. And so Jesus was out and he really became really popular because when you start doing things like healing people, raising people from the dead, especially turning water into wine. I mean, if it was St. Patrick's Day, he turned that into green beer. Boom, there'd have been a crowd, right? People would have showed up. And so people really started noticing Jesus. So there's big crowds that would come and see him teach. And he also got the attention of the religious leaders at that time. And they're all there checking him out, not because they're necessarily they're excited about what he has to say, But they kind of want to catch him and get him in trouble, just being honest. So we're going to pick up this story in Luke and check out this is what happens. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. So people were coming from all over the place to hear Jesus. And I love this. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Jesus is like, it's game on. He's ready to heal some people. And it continues. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man sleeping on a sleeping mat. So they got him on a stretcher. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. There were just too many people. They couldn't get in. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Oh, I love this. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. So pause there for just a moment. The religious leaders were not happy with this. They weren't like, yay, that's so awesome. Jesus is trying to heal this guy. No, they tried to get him in trouble. They're not really thrilled with it. But take a look at what happens. Then Jesus says this. He says, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man. and He says, stand up pick up your mat and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Oh man, what an amazing story of some really great friends. And we're going to break this down today because I believe this is a beautiful picture, an illustration of our vision as a church, what we want to do. So we're going to break this story down and basically look at three different ways that we've got to get in position as a church corporately and get in position as individuals if we want to see Jesus make an impact on the lives of people around us. So we're going to unpack this. We're going to talk about getting into position so the first thing that we've got to be aware of is we've got to be intentional. So if we're going to make a positional shift, we've got to get in position. Remember, like we're jockeying in the lanes to get the car so we don't have to be around the truck. We're going to get in position. The first thing we've got to do is be intentional. How more intentional could these guys have been? They, this, this dude who was paralyzed had some really good friends. And matter of fact, they had some really great friends because being intentional, I mean, it wasn't like, hey, let's casually get this guy to Jesus. We don't even know where they were walking from. We don't know how far they had to come. It's not like they loaded him up on the donkey, right? It's not like they called Uber and they like, you know, put him up. No, they had to carry this guy on a stretcher, on a, on a bed, and they, they carry him all the way to see Jesus. This was such an intentional thing that they did. Matter of fact, being intentional oftentimes looks like work. Sometimes it really takes work to be intentional to bring people to Jesus. And I believe this is what God has called us to do as a church, that God has called us to be intentional, that it's not something that can just casually happen or maybe once in a while we'll see someone who we're reaching for Jesus. No, no, no. We've got to be intentional about it, that we've got to go out of our way to find people. And we know those people in our lives. We have friends, we have family, co-workers, people that we go to school with, people we're on teams with, whatever. There are people in our lives who need to know that Jesus loves them, that cares for them, that he's for them. And we've got to be intentional. What does intentional mean? Intentional means doing it on purpose. You know, I have young kids and sometimes, you know, they get a little rowdy and they're girls and everyone's like, everyone has their opinions. You know, are girls easier to raise? Are boys easier to raise? Can we just admit that all kids are just crazy and hard to raise? I mean, it just, it doesn't matter. Different issues, but it's all difficult. It's a challenge. And you know, when your kids are young, maybe you've experienced this before, especially on a long road trip where they're starting to, you know, get a little rough and start smacking around a little bit and someone gets slapped and you hear it. And then, you know, the kid tries to, pass it off and it was an accident, right? They just clobbered him on the side of the head. What's the first thing? And you hear the cry out, mom, dad, and the other kid, I didn't mean to, right, right? And you're like, please. Please, come on. You know, I might have been born in the middle of the night, but it wasn't last night. That was so intentional. You had intent, right, to kick your brother, to kick your sister, to get under their skin, to push all of their buttons, right? It's being intentional. And this is what God has called us to do as a church, not on accident, not maybe just sometimes, maybe as a side product of what we do as a church. No, no, no. God has called us to be intentional, that we're gonna have to put the work into it. Why do people show up here at PTC every Sunday at 6 30 in the morning to set this thing up to do this because we're being intentional we believe that there are people in our community that need a relationship with God we're being intentional this is what God has called us to do why are people sacrificing and giving and serving in our kids area and making coffee and doing all the things that we do because we're being intentional to bring people to Jesus so we've got to start there we've got to be in position by being intentional the second one The second positional shift that we've got to do is being persistent. These guys get a gold star in this story for being persistent because they're carrying this mat. They show up, and then because of the massive crowd, what would I have done? I'd have been like, well... We tried. We carried him here. We can't get to Jesus. I guess we'll just turn around or just drop this mat. Sorry, dude. Hopefully you can find someone to carry you back, right? Maybe some of us have friends like that, and we were left on the mat. We're like, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it, guys. And so they were persistent. These guys didn't take no for an answer. I love the creative thinking, and even in this story, they go up to the roof. First of all, how do you carry a guy on a mat To the roof. I mean, this is where they get a ladder, where there's stairs up there. Like, what is going on right now? Talk about being persistent. They get this guy who is crippled on the roof, and they don't stop there. It actually says they remove tiles from the roof. So when you're persistent, sometimes it's just being disruptive. They, they take the tiles off. And then where did the ropes come from? And wouldn't Jesus or somebody have noticed this? Oh, the roof's trying to come and coming open. No. I mean, we don't, this is crazy. They get these ropes. How did this even work with like the physics balancing this guy? I mean, aren't you glad he didn't fall off like a sack of potatoes in front of Jesus? I mean, it'd been a bad day, right? Then we really needed Jesus' help, right? But they lower this guy down. They are so persistent. They, they don't show up and be like, well, there's just too many people. They do whatever it takes. They get this guy on the roof. They're deconstructing the house. Someone finds some ropes. They lower this guy in front of Jesus so that they can experience Jesus' healing power. They are so persistent. And this is what God has called us to do as a church, that it might not come easy. If it was easy, our churches would be filled with people. If it was easy, if it was just something that just happens, generation after generation wouldn't get further and further from God. No, it's going to require a group of people who are going to say, we've got to be persistent. And it might not come in the first try. The first thing we try might not even work. We might ask people to come and they might say no. We might people get people here and invite them to a relationship with Jesus. And they might say that's weird. But we've got to continue to be persistent. Don't you love that these guys didn't give up on their friend? They didn't give up on bringing someone to Jesus, and that is what God has called us to do. This is why every single week at Treeline we give a salvation call at the end of every message. Do we know if there are going to be people here that need that? We don't know, but we're going to do it every single week. Why? Because we want to be persistent. We want people to know that every week you can bring someone to Treeline, and they will be offered the opportunity to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. We have got to be persistent. We've got to be persistent. And that even may look like us for a church doing things and trying things that maybe other churches aren't doing, or maybe like not even our preference, maybe not even something that we like, but we've got to be persistent in bringing people to relationship with Jesus. And we've even got to be persistent in reaching out to the people in our lives. Because I know like me, sometimes it can get incredibly discouraging. It can become incredibly disheartening that there are people in our lives that we pray for and we see the, the turmoil they're in and we see the stress that they're under. And we see the, the grief that they feel or the pain that they've been put through. And we're like, man, you need a relationship with Jesus. And we recognize this because we know what God has done for our life. We know what a relationship with Christ has done for us. And sometimes it can feel discouraging and we have to be persistent. Continue to pray for them. Continue to put the ask out there. Continue to share your story. Continue to prod. Be like these guys who showed up and didn't take no for an answer. Get ready to do some work and lug them up on the roof. Rip that roof, the roof apart and lower them down with that rope. Do whatever it takes. Be persistent in bringing people to Jesus. The final one that we've got to talk about, the positional shift that we've got to be as a church, is we've got to have faith. We have got to have faith. I think these guys had more faith than anyone. Why? What what is faith? Faith sometimes it can be like, well, what is that about? What what do you mean we have to have faith? And really, we think about a faith in like a religious terms, or we think about faith when we talk about Christianity or the Bible or, or some kind of religion. But really, faith is something that we practice and experience in every single day. Did you know that you had faith when you got here this morning? Well, how do you know? Because how do you know when you were driving here and you came to the traffic light and the person had the red light across from you and they stopped and they didn't T-bone you? How did you know they were going to do that? You didn't know. You simply had faith that they were going to obey the traffic laws. You had faith that they weren't going to be distracted and they knew what a red light was and they were going to stop. see, so you had faith that they were going to drive the way they were supposed to. How about you go to a restaurant today after service? How do you know the food that they're going to serve you isn't some poison or was cooked completely wrong or just terrible? You just have faith that they're going to follow the procedures. You have faith that they're not going to serve you something that's poisonous or something that has been prepared in a wrong way to make you sick. So we have faith all the time in other people. We do it all the time. We have faith in others all the time. We experience this. And this is what God is calling us to do as a church. And this is what these people did so beautifully. They had faith that Jesus would heal their friend and you don't believe me, you, you don't go to the lengths of putting your friend on a mat, carrying who knows how long, not taking no for an answer, having the persistence, climbing on the roof, lowering this guy down. If they didn't have faith, they wouldn't have done any of this. But they truly believed that Jesus was the son of God. They believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And they had faith to get their friend there no matter what, to get him before Jesus. And matter of fact, Jesus is moved by their faith. And he heals this guy. And this is what we've got to do as a church. We have to have faith. We've got to believe that Jesus is still in the healing business today. That Jesus is still in the business of changing lives. And it's hard sometimes. It's hard to have that faith, but we've got to trust and know that there is a God that he created all of us, that he wants relationship with us so much so that he would send his son to die to pay the price for our sins. And we can have faith and know that Jesus is still in the business of changing lives today. He is still in the business of healing lives today, that he can still heal relationships and marriages and broken hearts and people who've been hurt, people who've been offended, people who are far from God. Matter of fact, even people who have made mistakes and put themselves in a bad position, God can still heal and change their life. God is still in the position. He is still wanting to heal people today. And we've got to have faith that if we truly believe that, If we truly believe and let that faith be that motivator for us, I believe that Jesus will be moved by our faith just like he was all these years ago. Because here's something that's exciting for me. The same Jesus that walked the earth, that was in that building, that healed that man, is the same Jesus that when you say yes to relationship with him, is the same Jesus that's living inside of me. It's the same Jesus living inside of you. It's the same God and same Jesus that we sing songs and worship to every single week. And I truly, believe that if we have faith and believe and we bring people to him that he will show up and he will change lives see it's not going to happen because we set up a great kids area it's not going to happen because we have great worship or Brian's preaching a good song no 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 no. it's not because of any of that it's simply because of who Jesus is and this is who he is that he came to save us to set us free to give us a great life and if we truly believe that and have faith That it'll change the way that we live our lives. It'll change the way that we do this thing called church because we believe that he's gonna show up and he's gonna change people's lives and we're gonna do whatever it takes to get people in front of Jesus so that they can have that opportunity to experience him in person. We've gotta do it, we've got to have faith. I love that these guys were so intentional. They were so intentional, they had so much persistence, whatever it takes and they had so much faith to believe that God was who he said he was that Jesus had all that healing power and they knew that if they could just get their friend in front of Jesus that everything would change but i truly believe that as much as we can learn an example from these three these these guys we don't know how many there were i imagine there were a few of them if they were carrying their friend around unless they were a couple of you know um, Ironman athletes. Maybe it was just one of them had him strapped to like a backpack or something, but we don't we don't know But they got him there. There were several of them and we learned some really great things for them But I think there's also something in the story that we've got to pay attention to and something that we can learn from and I I think that learning experience really comes from not only these guys who are persistent But also the crowd we can learn something really powerful from the crowd that was there that day. Because if you notice, when these guys showed up, the crowd was just totally oblivious to this man showing up who was crippled on this mat. How do we know this? Because it didn't say the guys get there, the crowd moves out of the way. Oh, we're just trying to hear this guy speak, but here's this guy who's crippled on this mat. Maybe, 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 just maybe we should get out of the way and let this guy through so that he can get to Jesus. But apparently that didn't happen. I don't know if it was unintentional or if it was intentional, if they're like, back up, cripple, we're trying to hear Jesus speak. I mean, I hope no one had that kind of attitude. I would have to think that it was probably more unintentional, right? That They didn't mean to like, you know, they just didn't know. They didn't see him. And I think this is one of the greatest lessons we can hear in this story. And I got this phrase for us to put up here. But the greatest shift that we have to make to get into position is that you have to recognize it's going from being inward to outward focused. This is the greatest shift that we have got to make as a church is that we've got to go from being inward to outward focused. See, the group, the crowd, they weren't outward focused. They were just there honed in on what Jesus was having to say. And I'm sure it was amazing stuff. And maybe it was just because the things Jesus was saying was so earth shattering, was just so mind blowing, was so life changing that they just couldn't take their eyes off. I don't know exactly what was going on, why. But this is the greatest positional shift that we are going to have to make as a church if we're going to be positioned on the edge of this tree line. If this vision is going to happen, if this is going to take place, it's because we made an intentional decision to make a shift from being inward focused on how we can do this thing, how church can serve us, how it can meet our needs, how Jesus can change our lives. And he will, and he does. And this church is for all of us, but we've got to make a shift from being inward focused to being outward focused. Now, here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus. Here's the amazing thing about God. Here's the amazing thing about the kingdom. And I talk about kingdom math, and kingdom math never adds up because God always does amazing things that just totally blows our minds. But here's the thing that's really interesting is you would think that the people who maybe benefited the most that day would be the crowd who were there to see Jesus. But I really think this is true, that the people who experienced Jesus that day the most, whose lives were the most changed, whose faith grew more than any others, were the friends that brought them there that day. I think it was the people who really made the steps. And here's the thing that I've seen happen over and over and over again, is that if we take the focus off of ourselves, and we begin to help some other people in their journey, we begin to bring some other people to, to faith, we start serving in the kids area, we start leading a small group, getting involved with in a small group, we start bringing people to church, we start pointing people towards Jesus, I promise you that your faith will grow like never before. I've seen it time and time again in the past 15 years in ministry, the people whose faith grows by leap and bounds, the people who take ownership in their faith, the people who are excited about what Jesus is doing, are the people who are just like these friends, who brought someone to Jesus, who served, who were intentional, who did whatever it took, didn't take no for an answer and had faith that Jesus was who he said he was. And I truly believe this with all of my heart that we will see amazing things if we position ourselves to bring people to Jesus. Don't you love how this passage ended? Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. And friends, the same Jesus that walked this earth all those years ago. The same Jesus who brought healing, who changed lives. Everyone that he encountered is the same Jesus that here today in this room available to you. And I truly believe that if we get behind this vision, if we buy into this thing, if we collectively come together, that we will see amazing things happen. And we've already begun to see those things happen. We've already begun to see those things. In the five short months, we've seen 16 people give their lives to Christ, say yes to a relationship with Jesus. And we've seen kids come weekly that are excited to be here, who are starting that faith journey. And our prayers that they would never lose that fire and they would always be excited about church and serving God. We're already beginning to see amazing things happen. This is just the beginning of what God has called us to do. So why did we start Treeline Church? Why would we do this? Why would we make the steps? See, we, we were living in a great place. We had a lot of great things going on. We were at a church that we loved, around friends and family that we loved, that loved us. Things were comfortable. Things were great. We had invested 10 years of our life to get a student ministry up and going. It was growing. It was doing amazing things. Matter of fact, it's still going and doing amazing things without us even being there. But God had put that tug in our hearts and said, there are more, there are more people there's still people who are far from God. There's still people who, there's still a generation that needs someone who is going to be intentional. There's still a generation, there's still people that require someone to be persistent. And so God challenged us and he said, do you have the faith that I am who I say I am and that we've called you to do and that I'm gonna equip you and empower you to do what it is that we've called you to do. And so we said yes to that call we walked away from a lot of great things a lot of comfort two great full-time jobs family that loved us a home that we loved and we walked away we packed away we know it's something awesome but we didn't know simply because we wanted to live our lives like these men did in this story and say that we're going to do whatever it takes and being intentional it takes work and it takes sacrifice and being persistent it's not easy and this journey has not it has been anything but easy there have been trials and there have been things that, oh, that didn't work and it's not going to happen that way and we're not sure where we're going to do this and where we're going to meet and all the yes and no's and how's I just god this is crazy but we had to be persistent we had to have the faith and so that's why we said yes and that's why we started this church to say yes to a church that would have a vision to reach those who are far from God, those in our families that our heart breaks for because we know they need a relationship with Him, those in our communities, our workplace, we're just, man, if we could just get them around Jesus, if they could just experience the love of God, if they could know what God has done in my life and what He means to me, that's the church that we want to be. We want to come alongside people and equip us together. Would you join us together as we live out this vision? Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, (laughs) would you just do this today as an act of surrender? Would you just, while no one's looking would you just put your hands out in front of you today? If you're comfortable with That just put your hands out in front of you today. Because I truly believe the same Jesus that was in that room that day when they lowered that friend in front of them is the same Jesus who is here today. And maybe you are here today and you need Jesus to do a work in your life. And so I'm just going to ask you right now just to, to surrender that to him, to just bring it before him, just lay it at your, his feet and say, Jesus, I need you in this area. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship. It's in, Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's someone that you have a burden for in your family or a co-worker or someone who you know needs to experience Jesus. Maybe it's something in your life. Maybe you need a touch, even in your physical body today, that Jesus is the same Jesus that heals Even physically, maybe that's you today and you need that. That's the same Jesus that is in this room today. Oh, Father, we just come to you today full of faith and expectancy that you are who you said you are and that you will do what you said you will do. And so, God, we just come today and surrender to you, surrender to your will, the plan that you have for your life. And I just pray today that every person in this room or every person watching online, every person listening to this message this week, God, wherever they are at, God, that you would show up in their life in tangible ways, that they know that you are with them, that you are for them, that you are not against them, but you love them and that you have a plan for them. God, I just pray right now that they would feel your presence like never before. Before Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just fill this room today, God, that you would just do a work, a movement in our lives, God, that we would know that you are here, that you are with us and without a shadow of a doubt that we can have faith that you are who you said you are, that you will do what you said you will do. And God, that you are still in the business of healing people. You are still in the business of changing lives. God, help us today to live out this vision, to be people who are intentional, to bring people to you, to be people who are persistent, to not take no for an answer, to realize that might be disruptive and we might have to try some different things and we might have to rip roofs apart and get fancy with our engineering to get people in front of Jesus, but God, that we will do whatever it takes, God. God, that we are not interested in just playing church and singing a few songs together. That's not why we did this and just hearing a great message. It's not about me as a speaker, God. It's not about our band or anything else, God. This is all about you. It's for your glory. It's for your kingdom. It's because there's a world that you love and that you care about. And Jesus, you gave your life for, God. So let us today be persistent, unwavering, continuing to bring people to you to do whatever it takes that people can experience you, Jesus. And God, finally, I pray that you would just build that faith inside of us today. Lord, that it would be fanned into a flame. And God, I pray today for those who would say at one time they had that great faith. They were excited about their relationship with Jesus. They were excited about what God was doing in their life. And God, I just pray that you would do it once again. You would rekindle that fire inside of their heart, that you would build that faith. Even now, God, I just pray. God, that you said in your word there is a river, there is a stream in the desert, God, and I just pray and proclaim in those dry places that that river would begin to flow once again, God, and that they would feel that passion, that faith for who you are, Lord. God, and that we would recognize that many times our relationship with you becomes dry because we become inward focused. God, help us to be people who are outward focused, God, let us not be like that crowd, oblivious to people who need to come to relationship with you, but God, open our eyes, open our hearts, Lord, to be aware of those people who are far from you, to not be oblivious when we're trying to bring people because it is a matter of life and death. Jesus, open our eyes to our communities. Oh, Jesus. Jesus to recognize that there are people who need to know that you love them, who have never heard the good news, who've never had a friend that went out of their way to be intentional, who've never experienced someone who was persistent and said, man, I know you might not get this yet, but I'm gonna continue to love you and pray for you and point you to Jesus. God, help us to be aware, to not be oblivious like that crowd that day. But to go out ourselves instead of being a crowd huddled around what you're doing, Jesus, (laughs) to recognize that you're wanting to send us out with stretchers to gather people and bring them to you. Lord, that this would be a triage. (laughs) The tree line would be a triage. Bring on the mess, Lord. Bring it on. Bring it on. We thank you, Jesus. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today, we want to give you the opportunity to recognize that there is a God that loves you. And maybe someone was a good friend to you today and got you here or asked you to come. And maybe you're in a place that you have never said yes to a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you never quite understood it. You're like, the organized religion thing, it's weird. It's just a bunch of people singing a bunch of weird songs, talking about stuff I don't understand. But I want you to know today that there is a God who loves you, who created you, and who wants nothing more to have relationship with you. And it's not about what you've done It's not about anything that you can do. It's not about being a good person or a bad person. It's recognizing every single one of us have a sin debt. We've done things against the will of God. We have done things that we have to ask forgiveness for, but the great news is that God doesn't hold any of it against you, and you don't have to get your stuff together and have it all appear like you were living your life a certain way. No, 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 no. Jesus is ready now to insert his life where you are into the mess, into the pain, into the questions, and the doubt. And so if that's you today, we want to give you the opportunity to say yes to relationship with him. Maybe you're watching online today, and you're like, man, Brian, at one time, I said yes to a relationship with jesus maybe you're here today and you said at one time i had done that i had said yes but life just began to happen i began to fall away that faith that you're talking about just really seemed to dry up and i didn't have that relationship anymore if that's you today we want to give you the opportunity just like that sign said that banner said when you walked in the door today it said welcome home And Jesus is here with arms wide open, without judgment, without condemnation. He's not holding your past against you. He's simply saying, welcome home so if that's you today in either one of those categories while no one's looking around, I'm gonna ask you to slip your hand up and say, pray with me today, Brian if that's you, just slip your hand up today awesome, anyone else, just slip your hand up if that's you, awesome, okay, we're gonna pray together and if you're watching online or you're listening we just ask you to pray with us together and pray out loud so that no one prays alone, repeat after me dear Jesus I believe in you thank you for giving your life for me, thank you for forgiving my sins, come into my life, make me new, fill me with your Spirit, help me to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. Can we cheer for those who made a decision today?